All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Academy Arguments. I'm Andrew Nuno. And I'm Brittany McHugh. And we are joined for this episode by our good friend, Dylan Eddie. Dylan, thank you very much for coming on the show. Hi, Dylan. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of Did course, of course. Did you bring your own theme music? <laughs> <laughs> he actually has a, a soundtrack. You can purchase oh, it after this episode. He'll plug it. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, Dylan, before we, we get to get too far into the, the episode, uh, if you don't mind, uh, feel free to give our listeners just a quick little bio about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm just your average Midwest guy, you know, like walking the parks, you know, in your natural uh, environment. I like beer, whiskey, and I like playing guitar, you know, all you, that fun stuff. You're making it sound like you're like on a dating show, Dylan. <laughs> I like the finer things. <laughs> Wrong <laughs> podcast, Dylan. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, sorry I'm so about sorry, that. guys. You know what? You know what? I'm just going to back out of it now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, <laughs> I think there's someone else that I know that can, you know, fill in real quick. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're very happy to have you on, Dylan. Thanks for for being here. And uh, for today's episode, we're going to be talking about the 2015 Australian post-apocalyptic action film, that's a mouthful, uh, called Mad Max Fury Road, written and directed by George Miller, starring Tom Hardy, Charlize Theron, Nicholas Holt, whole slew of folks. This is not your average action film for many reasons, but we're going to dive into that in just a sec. First, let's each one by one just go in and talk about kind of what were our expectations, what we heard about the film, either uh, you know before re-watching it for this episode or watching it for the first time. If this was anyone's first time giving it a watch. And we will start first with our guest of honor, Dylan. Well, thank you. Well, I actually saw this movie um, through a friend. Uh, they actually uh, kind of pirated a little bit, you know, ah. they, back in the day <laughs> where everyone was doing that. But uh, they just gave me a flash drive and it just said Mad Max Fury Road. And I like giggled like a little schoolgirl because it like just came out in theaters. But I remember watching it and I loved every single second of it. I just I'm I was really huge into action films at that time, too, where it was just nothing but, you know, explosions, you know, fire, catastrophe. But with this, it kind of hit me on a different level because I feel like it just encapsulated so many cool things that I already liked. Like there was uh, this kind of whole Roman mixed with like uh, Norse mythology kind of theme where there was like the legions and Furiosa and, you know, we die for Valhalla and, you know, all this stuff. So it hit mm -hmm. me on so many levels that I just totally rocked with it. Cool, cool. Over to you, Brittany. Never seen it. Uh, knew Charlize Theron was in it. So I basically wrote down um, Apocalypse Fast and Furious. And I'm not going to lie, guys. I think I hit the nail on the head there after watching it. I think I got it exactly right. So super proud of myself. High five. Yeah, high five myself there. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. All right. Uh, as as for me, um, well, when, when I went to watch it for the first time, I really didn't know all that much. All I knew was that it was an action film that was getting a pretty good amount of buzz, and it was worth watching and, and giving a watch. And and you know, suffice to say, it was very much worth uh, a, a watch. And then you know, for as a matter of rewatching it, I mean, I knew I was in for a good time. It was more so just like remembering that like there were certain elements to certain certain scenes and, and just kind of being caught back up to speed on that but yeah heard great things uh but we will dive into what makes it so special in just a hot second uh first Brittany, if you don't mind taking us through how this film performed when it was its turn at the academy awards of course it was the 88th academy awards it was nominated in 10 different categories ended up winning six and the winners were Jenny Beaven for Best Costume Design, Margaret Sixel for Best Film Editing, Leslie Vanderwalt, Elka Wardega, and Damian Martin for Best Makeup and Hairstyling, Colin Gibson and Lisa Thompson for Best Production Design, Mark Mangini and David White for Best Sound Editing, Chris Jenkins, Greg Rudloff, and Ben Osmo for Best Sound Mixing. Uh, it was nominated for Best Picture, Lost to Spotlight. George Miller was nominated for Best Director, Lost to The Revenant. Fun fact, George Miller is actually Margaret Sixel's husband, who won for Best Film Editing. Uh, John Seal was nominated for Best Cinematography, Lost to The Revenant. 
and Andrew Jackson, Dan Oliver, Andy Williams, and Tom Wood were nominated for Best Visual Effects, lost to Ex Machina. What do we want to dive into first here? What's what's let's start at the beginning because I feel like I missed something at the beginning. Because I don't know. I just kept writing down what is going on. Like, (laughs) can we can we actually go over this? Because I'm very confused. So we meet Max and he's been like captured by the white people. Um Mm -hmm. why what is this? Is this like a sex cult thing? Like, what is this thing? <laughs> what is this? Who who are these people that have captured him? And they've they like like him because he's a universal blood donor, like which is apparently a hot commodity in the apocalypse. I guess. I mean, a lot of things would become hot commodities in the apocalypse. <laughs> I don't think it's just blood. You know, I think I think a lot of things. I'm very confused. <laughs> By what is going on at the- and then like we see this scene of him almost escaping and then not mm-hmm. Can- what is going on like a genuine mm-hmm. question what is happening okay so uh, I, I I can be happy to clarify that clarify that for you so basically what's happening in the beginning is uh the main character max uh he encounters this group um of guys and all white called the war boys and basically what the war boys do from time to time is they capture humans in order to use their blood essentially as a, a blood bag um for for anyone in their group that needs blood anyone that's that's ill that may need it and max is taken prisoner to be used as a blood bag essentially for uh for a, a war boy whose name is nux played by nicholas holt Right. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's um, basic premise. They just enslave certain people, which they do. You know, we, 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 really we frown that. upon slavery you know, here in modern society, but it's a post-apocalyptic wasteland. And unfortunately, there really aren't anyone there to enforce the rules. So, you know. They, they, they do not <laughs> do a good job of explaining that at the beginning. No, I, I will. I will agree to that because first time seeing it through, you're just kind of like, taken in like all that you're seeing and there's so much that goes on just in like the first 20 30 minutes and there's just so much of a culture shock but watching it recently again it really is just like your stereotypical madman dictatorship you know you have the man on top who's named joe yeah like immortal what fucking, joe what fucking dictator decides to keep the name joe well he's not your average joe no, but but what what? That's like the least. The other guy's name, like Bullet Dude or something. Like why? What's with Joe? Like I, this dude is like you know, it's a really intimidating name for my dictatorship, Joe. You know, you know, Brittany. I in the apocalypse, I don't think they're really that concerned about. Uh, how trendy their name might be. I, I think it's just like one of know. the guys has like a is named like the people eater. Oh yeah. What are you mm-hmm. talking about? That they're not concerned you know, with what their names are. As, as are a gigant- that is as a, a lie. As a gigantic dictator, he may have just wanted the name Joe to appear relatable. No, <laughs> you know? what about him is trying to appear relatable? He makes all of his like war boys. Like, they all need to be bald with a ton of white paint and many scars, and then they need to huff paint whenever they're about to do something. <laughs> that, that may just what? be- No person who standard. does that is trying to be relatable. I'm going to refer back to the fact that it's the apocalypse, and a lot of bets are off when the world goes to hell. Because at this point, it's not really when you got all that gas. The whole purpose at this point isn't really about thriving and you know, doing what you want to do. It's just I kind of have to do what I got to do to survive in this shithole of a world that we live in now. Uh, okay, let's move on to the second part. <laughs> Our second main character, with a, which is Charlie's Theron's character, who also I feel like we missed her entire beginning. Because she is a part of this. She has been taken by this cult. And 
<laughs> oh, God. I don't understand because it seems like all of the females in this society who have been kidnapped are being used as sex slaves. Mm-hmm. Am I not wrong? So what the hell is going on with Charlize Theron? They're just like, you know what? She'd be better at driving a car. I think from just from what I've seen, picking up the pieces, going through a second time, I think what happened was at a young age, she was taken from her homeland with her mother. As she says in the movie, that her mother dies shortly after she was captured. And sure. so she's been gone, I think she says, like for some 7,000 days, but I don't know how to translate that into years. Um, it's It's a long time. But in the time I'm thinking that she was captured, whatever purpose they were going to use her for, what they would traditionally do, I think she showed so much fight and so much character and so much devotion to not being what they want her to be that they actually found a better use for her as a war driver than they could for any other role that they typically had for their captains. Right, but we don't actually know that because her backstory is never explained to us at all. Well, we can assume that she did something to rise the ranks and to become that position that she had, at least until she decided to to, to drive away with the five wives of Morton Joe. Right. So, How did she get them, by the way? Well, actually, we are They're locked a pre- in a safe. We are actually getting a prequel film called uh, film called Furiosa coming out soon, which is going to dive a little deeper in, into the backstory of how she arrived at uh, being at that point. But honestly, I don't think- I don't But think not we, how she took we the really don't five women from the giant safe. No, we do. I'm we asking really these questions, to- Andrew, and I would like yeah. answers for them. Okay, but, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. You Okay. It is not absolutely detrimental to the plot to know how she arrived at her post. All we know is that she had favor with a Morton Joe, ran off with his five wives, and now has fallen way out of favor with a Morton Joe. Right, but how did she get the wives? Because as I said, those wives are locked in a bank vault safe, surrounded by guards that apparently only this Joe dude knows the vault key, has the key to. So how the fuck did this lady get access to them and have enough time to sneak them out, put them on this giant war truck, which has so many people on it? Go. Again, there's no absolute way. No, there's no absolutely. There's no absolute way that we can know for sure exactly how she pulled it off. But as we see, you know, throughout the film, she's very technical. She's very, very. I mean, okay, yes, it is, but it also isn't because Brittany, think about it. There's no film that exists out there where we're going to have an answer to everything that happens in the film. And yet, Andrew doesn't exist. There is no one that's perfect. So that's something that you could use for every single film in existence. Exactly. That's that's not a legitimate ding against the film. Sure it is. It's not. Sure it is. If if the question crossed my mind while I was watching the film, that is a plot hole. That is not a plot hole. It is a plot hole. That is nuts. We don't need to see, for, you know, for, frame, frame, frame by frame an exact reasoning as to how she pulled it off. We see that she's tactical. They had probably been planning it for months. This was a golden opportunity for them to take their chances. But just because we don't necessarily see I, how I it agree. happens isn't a ding. That is not a ding. That is, that is being picky. That is being super picky is what that's being. Andrew. Do you not know my entire role on this podcast? I can still call you out for it. I can still call you out for it. And it doesn't also, matter. I can be picky. That's We're doing Academy Award winning films. This is how I get shit. I still okay. have the right to call you out for that. And also, Andrew, plot holes only work in the sense where you don't really need an explanation for them if you can fill in the blanks using your own logic. So I would like to hear your logic as for how this happened. I already did. No, you Fury didn't. You as, said as she's technical see, and they were we, planning yes. it for months. That's not how they got out. That is just like, oh, well, maybe. Well, uh, see, here's smart. the thing is that the way that they do line it up, the way that they show how her character is portrayed, I feel like just off the get go, going off what Andrew said, that there's going to be a prequel going against like going for her character. It obviously shows that there's a lot more to her that Mad Max didn't show. So in the time of her being abducted all the way to the point to where we first see her in Mad Max Fury Road, 
she obviously showed determination and the strength to go way beyond any of Immortal Joe's war boys. Like there had to have been something or multiple things that she's done to not only gain his trust, but also to take a war rig, the only thing that is that powerful in his entire inventory of crazy post-apocalyptic vehicles. And she was able to be in command of several war boys that were to operate that war rig. Sure, but you really think he would let her have access to the five wives that he literally keeps in a bank vault because he doesn't want anyone but him to interact with his harem? For someone that has favor with him, I wouldn't be surprised if that was access that she was given. I would. But again, I would be very surprised. Because also, they didn't know what kind of potential she had. They were just going to throw her in with a lot of what else, whatever they were going to do with their past captives. So she probably got associated with them in some glimpse or at least found out that they were there through the first interactions of her coming to the Citadel and finding Immortal Joe and seeing like how his operation runs. I just feel like so much of the movie is devoted to the chase. Right. Mm -hmm. And it feels like they wanted to devote so much time to the chase. They decided we don't really need to devote any time to what happens before the chase. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like one more thing. What is with the flashbacks that Max keeps having? Max is mad. He's mad in the head. What, but well, I, what is that? I and and I I think, and again, I have never I have I haven't seen any other of the Mad Max films, so this is this is speculation. But it, it from from what I've seen, at least, I think it might be like a reference to like his past before the apocalypse started, um, before the world went to hell. Um, I I don't know for sure though, because again, I don't I haven't seen other Mad Max films. I I can't. That's that's me speculating. Don't a little the bit. other Mad Max films take place in the apocalypse too. Mm-hmm. But I yes. imagine like maybe like the first one took a, like a little bit of a, d- a deeper dive into his past. Mm-hmm. So wait, but that doesn't make any sense because those movies were filmed in like the eighties, and they got recent actors to be like that creepy little girl. What what what, what do you what do you mean by that? Creepy little the the you know, one the creepy in little his, girl uh, in his flashbacks. flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think in the movie she calls him dad, so I think that's his Does daughter. She? Yeah, mm-hmm. there's there's two that. characters. There's three characters in total that show up in his flashbacks in the very beginning. He's kind of running through this hallway before he hits that door that just kind of goes to the side of the cliff. But there's three people that show up in the flashbacks. One of them is the daughter. The other two I am not familiar with, nor do they really talk about him ever again throughout the movie. Right. But I'm guessing it's someone that was like part of his old posse or part of his old family to where he felt like he had the need to protect them through mm-hmm. this crazy world, but somehow yeah. failed them. Max is supposed to be the same age in, in this one as he was in, in, in the prior films. Um, so he, his character hasn't like aged at all since the last film in the 80s. His character is still very much the same age. So is this movie, does this movie only make sense if you've seen the other ones? I mean, for, for, for that part, I don't maybe. Because that's a ding on the movie, if that's the case. Because this movie mm. was made in 2015, and those movies were made in the 80s. Correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, I personally also haven't seen uh, the older movies or the originals as well. But mm-hmm. I feel like if I was to watch them, and it does go in chronological order as far as how the storyline goes for Mad Max altogether... I think it would make a lot more sense. But if Mad Max Fury Road tried to do like its own thing and try to just kind of take the main character and just kind of envelop them more into that world in a kind of different side story mm-hmm. and try to make it their own and make it their own series, then, you know, they could have done that. But I can't I can't say for sure because I haven't seen the originals. But none mm-hmm. of us can really like explain the flashbacks. Like, they don't come into play. They don't really have any consequences on this movie. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of there. Yeah. I mean, they, they, pay, they pay attention to it a little bit. Like, they're they being attacked by it, the... but they don't have... A- right. Like, they're, they're showing, like, he's constantly haunted by it. And, you know, this is obviously something that weighs on his mind heavily. Because, I mean, it's his kid that he failed to protect. But there's also, like, this thing to where, like, throughout the, you know, like, in between all the flashbacks, his daughter does this hand motion where she like puts her the back of her hand up like up in front of her face. And he kind of does that every now and then as like a muscle memory to kind of like mirror that. And then there's a moment where one of the war boys that's trying to kill him shoots a bolt at his head 
and he that's a moment where he like has one of those flashbacks and he does the motion that his daughter does and the bolt actually goes through his hand and instead of going fully through his head it kind of just like poked him a little bit oh Mm -hmm. i didn't think it went fully through his hand i thought he just because he does not react like some kind of arrow just went through his hand it's almost like he got a splinter that's how he reacts yeah. to it. <laughs> like, oh, look at that. Like, there's an arrow. Oh, well, better pull this out. Oh, no, actually, I'm going to walk around with this for five minutes. Then I'll pull it out when I remember that there's an arrow sticking out of my hand. Right. Yeah. I mean, if he was resourceful, he would have used that to, like, high five some dude's face and, you know, just kind of oh, get some yes. guys out of the way. You see, thank you. Now we're being <laughs> creative here. I mean, it's just. Just a, just a lack of resourcefulness, honestly. My biggest thing with the flashbacks is like, if it is a reference to the other movies, that's not clear. It's not really mm-hmm. clear mm-hmm. why he's having the flashbacks other than mm-hmm. he's traumatized by something, but we never really know what that something is. And there's never really any payoff for it. And it seems like we're not getting a sequel with him. We're getting a prequel with Furiosa. So it's well, never really well, going to get explained. Well, that's that's actually not true. There, 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 there is a Mad Max four. That's an early development. Um, it's oh, just Mad that Max George George 4? George Miller is starting work on this Furiosa project first. Tom Hardy's contracted for three. Well, now two more uh, Mad Max films after this. I don't like these long breaks. These movies take. <laughs> Yeah, like, I don't think it's up to the filmmakers, Brittany. I don't think it's up to the filmmakers. In between each one, for movies to make sense like this, I mean, two years max is what you should get. Two years. We can't all be Marvel being able to churn out sequels every two years. Trust me. I, I wish it were that simple, <laughs> but then it, it don't work that way. I'd rather wait it, it, as long as I get a quality film. I to me, it's worth the wait. It has been six years. Since this oh, since, movie came out, yeah, yeah, like but, that's I mean, okay. too long. And now, Think- and we're not even going to get the sequel in like 2022 because they're going to do the prequel beforehand. So, so the sequel fact, might not come out until like 20 years. So, fun fact: the the Mad Max Fury Road was actually supposed to to start shooting in 2001, um, but the, the September 11 attacks occurred. Um, and it actually caused the Australian budget of the film at that time to balloon massively. So George Miller actually had to leave, drop the Mad Max project. And then he went on to do Happy Feet uh, as kind of like a backup project. Uh, but but so the, the film actually was supposed to come like way earlier. But it was just like wrong moment in time and, and just really unfortunate circumstances. And even with Furiosa right now, the t- 2020 pandemic actually also pushed that back further as well. So George Miller has just been the recipient of some really poor circumstances in life that have just not not helped him get these films out any quicker. Okay, but like 2020, that's understandable. Like the pandemic and stuff, that's understandable why that would push back production on the film. But this film was made in 2015. Mm -hmm. That's five years before 2020. Yeah, and George Miller's allowed to work on other things besides Mad Max. I'm not sure if you knew that. Sure, but like he's not locked locked to his table saying you gotta churn out Mad Max sequels like your life fucking depended on it. Like he can do other shit. I think honestly, for us for any other Mad Max movie, whether it's a prequel or a continuation of the series that they're going off of, I think it is gonna need a lot of planning and it's gonna need to have some serious work put into it because after looking through it, it's literally every single vehicle that you see out there is purely customized to its own individual uniqueness. And it's so cool just going through all of the different vehicles that they were going through and seeing how they meshed it all together and made it look so unique to its own mesh. And it was and also like uh, the awards that it won for uh, costumes, for hair and makeup, all the work that was put into it and also the uh the uh, editing that went behind it. I mean, it was absolutely insane how much work that had to go into it. The oh post must God. have been absolutely horrendous to go through. Oh, I'm yeah. sure it was. I'm sure it was. Yeah. yeah. I think, I think the editor, I think this is like the most, the most cuts in an Oscar winning film before. Uh, Cause this film had. This was her <laughs> first action movie too. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I wish, I really wish they could turn out these sequels faster and everything, but I mean, I'd, I'd rather wait if it means I, I know I'm going to get the quality that, that we need to get then. Oh, okay. It'll come out in three years, but it's going to be absolute shit. You know, just well, not I mean, gonna live up. It so, for some, it's not even like waiting six years. It's waiting. When was, when did the last one come out? 84. And this mm-hmm. one came out in 2015. So what mm-hmm. is that like 30 years? I mean, if it comes out before 2040, I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think we're going to be in like our late forties being like, all right, Mad Max. Yeah. <laughs> I, I had this conversation That's with right. Brittany and Dylan in 2021. What? Are, why have you suddenly become 90 years old in your forties? <laughs> stress is gonna eat my life energy away man you have aged a lot in the past couple of years uh, uh, what after, the, to you? after the first pandemic it was pretty rough oh, no. oh god no 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 i i remember hearing the story about these creatures that that like were still alive after twenty four thousand years in permafrost and i was like burn them <laughs> like we do not need to bring more shit into this like has jurassic park taught us nothing when we bring things back that were very 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 old we're asking for trouble how to get well, that what out were they huh. were they like if they were like birds or something i think we're fine no they weren't birds no, we better get mad max kill it with fire <laughs> <laughs> okay so you mentioned the cars mm-hmm. i also think the cars are cool but I have one really big problem with one with two things on the cars. Okay. First thing, they hook Max up to the the Nicholas Holt character hooks Max up to his car mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he's still giving a blood transfusion. I feel like that blood transfusion is lasting far too long. Like <laughs> I I don't think they last that long. But whatever. Hooks him mm-hmm. up to the front of his car. Yeah. How does he see? He's in front of his windshield. Well, I mean, when it comes to the war boys, I don't think uh, sanity or, you know, critical <laughs> thinking is reg- really car the regulations. Front of their mind. But he's They're literally supposed like- to be like this genius driver who can like maneuver around a fucking sandstorm. And yet Max is hooked up. To blocking his windshield, the one thing he needs for visibility, which is a basic thing you need when you drive a car. Eh, post-apocalyptic, the, the laws are a little... Uh, the laws stupid. of vision are different? <laughs> yeah, you can absolutely. suddenly see through people in the, po- in the apocalypse? Hey, when you huff all that paint, you can see a lot oh of things. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that he's like completely blocking his way, but I I will agree that he's he's probably obstructing it to some to some degree. To a large degree, that's a whole human person in front of your windshield. Mm-hmm. Tom Hardy ain't a small dude. I mean, when when you're out there in the apocalypse, there's only so much that you can run t- into, I suppose, trying to chase down someone who's stolen your master's five wives. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Also, how are they hitting that truck with so much fire? That truck is like full of gasoline, right? Oh, yeah. That mm-hmm. should have blown up immediately. Mm-hmm. It must have some really good scrap metal in the pocket. And also, how did... Okay, my second issue with the car is the guitar dude. Again. Oh, he's my favorite. I, think, I love him. I think the choice is very cool. But what the fuck is that? Like, what purpose... Is a guy playing guitar blasted onto large speakers in a war party? I think he is absolutely essential. Everyone needs Priorities. a little music to go with the war party, and that guy is the epitome of war music. I mean, he is just on suspension. He's jumping around in his little farmer, you know, overalls, and he's got his double neck guitar blasting out flames the front. I mean, Immortal Joe must have been like, yeah, that guy's got some talent. We should put him to the front. It seems seems like they devoted more resources to that, the music car, than they did to the actual battle cars. Oh, 100%. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, is Immortal Joe just a terrible dictator? 
Like, not just terrible as in he's terrible, because we all know he's a terrible human being. Terrible as in he's incompetent? How does he enslave all these people with his incompetence? I mean, he's gotten this far down the line, so he must have been doing something right when it came to dictatorship. But maybe he's just really inefficient at getting a single person with little time to put together an effort. I mean, he didn't really expect uh, Furiosa to double cross him. So he's kind of caught off guard by it. Maybe his, his, his army or something just needs a better command. Yeah, sure. Cause I mean, they got like that one son of his who gains superhuman strength at the end and never demonstrates it before or after <laughs> again. Um, just so that they could give the character who was, I'll go into that character because I'm confused about some things with that character, even though I do love Nicholas Holt as an actor. Mm -hmm. Okay. Actually, I'm just going to go into it now. So that character, they have the car crash in the sandstorm, Mm -hmm. which miraculously they both survive, even though that would be impossible. And then Nux, they escape and Nux like thinks, the blood dude is like helping him and then like he gets on the car and then he gets thrown off the car and then he gets back on the car and then like trips and that's humiliating and then he hides in the car until the redhead finds him I am very confused by why he switched sides that quickly Mm because he was like five minutes before He was a devoted follower of this Joe dude. Joe just called him mediocre and it hurt his feelings. (laughs) Right. Is that all it takes to lose a devoted follower? You don't like think, oh, you know what? Maybe I'll strive to be better. Maybe I'll actually go and kill Charlize Theron. Then he'll know I'm not mediocre. Nope. I'm just going to shrivel up in a little ball here and I'm going to listen to this redhead dude who I know I'm supposed to capture. Well, see, I'm actually going to throw in a little bit of Norse mythology on this one, because in the War Boys society, it's very based around you don't live a good life, but you can have a good death kind of mentality. The only purpose that you have is to be fodder for your ruler. So when you see all these guys at the Citadel and you see how they can, you know, be of use to their master all of them would willingly and happily sacrifice themselves to make it to Valhalla, this place to where the only way you can get in is to die a good death. And there is no other purpose that you can have in life other than to be witnessed of your death and to die a good death. So to him, when he was told by his supreme leader, I can do this job for you. And he says, you will. And if you do such a good job, I will carry you to Valhalla myself. And literally, he had, he was like at the top of the world. He's like, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. And then he trips and falls like a dunce. And then Immortal Joe looks at him and he's practically like this incompetent guy. I trusted him. And then he goes on to do the job himself, which he ultimately fails. Sure. But mm-hmm. then you just see this Runs character then go into. Right. Which I thought that was insane. First time seeing it through. I'm like, they didn't actually do that, right? Oh, oh, they did. Okay. Well, all right. Going with it. But to see uh, Canucks' character then go through like that little bit of depression because he's like, I only had one purpose in life and I I messed it up. Not once, not twice, but three times in the same day. Mm -hmm. So what's the point of life? It doesn't seem enough for me. Like it feels a little too quick. The switch. Like I like I like Nicholas Holt's character. I like him Mm -hmm. better when he's helping them as opposed to when he's being like the crazy blood bank dude who is clearly not in his right mind to give a blood transfusion and is probably also giving some of his blood to Tom Hardy's character at that point because like there's no way Tom Hardy is properly elevated for a lot of that and that's just not how blood transfusions work. Uh, Mm -hmm. But you know. I just think the switch was really quick. We don't see enough doubt, I think, in the Mm -hmm. character. If there had been, like, flecks of doubt in him before then, before that moment, then I think I would have bought it. 
you know, I, I think the reason why that isn't a problem for me is because I feel like, especially in like this post-apocalyptic world, people's His motivations character development are, is really important in this yeah, movie. Yeah, but but I. I <laughs> but I, oh, I so you agree I, with me? Great. Well, no, no, that, no, no, that, hold that on, sounds hold great. On, Thank you. I, I love winning. I hold love it on. when you agree with me. I, I I think that that especially in this post-apocalyptic world where so many of the things that you know the three of us would worry about in this life kind of become irrelevant people's motivations become much simpler you know it's 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 no longer like oh well if i'm bad at this thing it's okay because i still got this going for me it's like if i am not good to my morton joe what the fuck am a morton i joe yeah that, that's the character Sorry, not a morton joe it's a morton it's a it's called his, his name is a morton joe it is oh. Yeah. I thought it was immortal. Wait, did y'all think that his name was Immortal Joe this whole time? Yeah, because I I thought that was just kind of like a deranged dictator kind of thing. Like I am your forever what lord. The fuck I am does Immortal Joe. Mean? I, I wasn't Hold at on. the meeting. Hold on, we gotta look this up. <laughs> Dictionary.com. We know words. It's not a real word. Aha. The statement that is not a real world, not a real word, is so subjective. What is language but things that we make up? Okay, then what does it mean? <laughs> I don't know what it means, but uh-huh, you can't so say don't, you don't can't say something like, say "Oh, that. that's not a real word." That is such a subjective thing. Like it is not could, a you word. Realize, in you realize you realize, Brittany. You realize, Brittany, that you and I can make up a word this very instant, and the only the only subjectiveness of is it a word or not is the people who decide to accept it as a word. Wow, you're getting really intense about Maybe this. Maybe his last name is Joe, and his first name's you- Joe Morton. <laughs> <laughs> We're having the conversation, and Dylan's still on that. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I hope that's true, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Before the apocalypse, I was Joey Morton. When the apocalypse started, I became a dictator, but I couldn't think of a name. Then one day... It hit me. Just swap my name around and boom. A Morton Joe. What a oh my dumb, god, that's beautiful. What a dumb name. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if you thought it was a dumb name, I doubt that you would have said something. Oh my god. Actually, um, a lot of these names are quite dumb. Like Rictus Erectus. Mm-hmm. Come on. <laughs> the apocalypse. Um <laughs> Nux doesn't yeah, even have that's... a last name. Cheeto? The girl named Cheeto? Mm-hmm. Like, really? This no comments on that at all? Toast the knowing. Toast the dag. Right. Toast. Slit. Oh god. Ew. The doof warrior? These are just Keeper of the Seeds. Corpus Colossus. Are you just doing the credits right now? <laughs> Uh, on uh, IMDb, yeah. The Valkyrie? That's a good one. Well, the Valkyrie uh, makes sense because it's all based yeah. on Norse God. I'm not faulting that one, but Toast? I love Toast so much, I decided to name you after my favorite breakfast. I, th- I think my favorite character toast. name here, though, is the The Organic Mechanic. Who was that? Angus Sampson. I don't, I don't know who that is. I just want to know what makes this mechanic so organic. Like... Now this is this is the mystery that's gonna haunt me for the rest of my day, guys. What, well, like- maybe if you knew who that person was, you'd know <laughs> why. You know what? I think his brother is a gluten-free engine. Can, can you imagine how how differently we would have treated this film if they actually called each other by their names? Like, what happened? We need to get the organic mechanic. Summit the bullet farmer. <laughs> Because, like I said before, I think this film has established very, very early on that character development doesn't really matter. It's more about the apocalyptic chase scenes that we're going to be setting through. Yeah, and the, yeah. Sequ- and the sequences. And, I mean, these action sequences are just so, so well done. Uh, oh, not to mention blended. that, like, the, the composer for this film, um, uh, Junkie XL, like... Their their score to this film is just so incredible, just getting you pumped up, getting you in the mood, but also not really being af- not being afraid to get cinematic when you need to get cinematic. Like during that gigantic dust storm sequence, oof, the score. Oh, 
especially for being an, an action film, it's structured so differently. And it also, it takes place in a spot where no one would ever really think to do an entire action film. Like no one ever really wakes up nowadays. It's like, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a gigantic chase movie throughout one desert that takes place in the apocalypse with, all sorts of just craziness added into the mix. And oh yeah, I'm going to throw in a gigantic dust storm just cuz. Like this is this is definitely like pretty pretty wild. I kind of disagree with you on that. Not not the way that George Miller puts this together. I I don't think there's I there's think many folks the who could do this. The whole thing to do an action film in the desert is actually not that, Okay. But I'm talking about the way that George Miller does this. Okay. Like, well, that's... like the the the, the characters. Mixed oh my with god! The setting, Wait, are you mixed... saying that there isn't any other movie that is exactly like Mad Max? <laughs> like, oh my god! What a revelation! Like, oh wow, wow. Well, there <sighs> were the original Mad Maxes. So. Oh, of course. So actually, there are two other movies that are exactly like Mad. Max. No, 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 no. Not, not, not even because though even those you films... haven't seen them. No, I haven't, but I, I've, I've researched those films, and they don't have Furiosa in them. They don't have the five wives. They don't, certainly don't have a Morton Joe. So, like, even those films aren't quite like this. It's, 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 it's just it's different. I just think your whole statement of you were saying – you were at first saying how, like, no one ever thought to film an action movie in the desert, and no one ever thought to film, like, a chase scene in like the this. desert. Like this. And like I'm like, this. well, that's not true. But you said like this, which is like yes. the dumbest thing I've ever heard because dumbest yeah, thing? it's its own person. What are you talking about? No, I feel that, like that's, you're that... stating an obvious thing here. <laughs> but, but the point that I'm, I'm trying to make by, by saying this is that it's, it's, it's something unique. It's something that film that none of us would have ever really, really have thought, thought to do. And it's the craziest weirdest combination it, it, it's a film that on paper would not become an oscar winning film like you would think that that this would be a film that would become very grind a grindhouse art outhouse you know very niche oh, no, kind, of, kind, of, kind of film. kind of kind of film but the way that that it, it's pulled off not only does it have mass appeal but it's also something that that gets well received critically like when i first saw this trailer for this film I did not think that it was going to go on to win Oscars. Like this, this was this book art house to me through and through with the way are, that it was it, designed. I am so shocked by that take because for me, when I first saw the trailer for this, I thought it spoke like Fast and Furious movies, like big big budget action movie. One thousand percent. Fast and Furious. Yeah, it's it's got a lot of Fast and Furious. And you vibes. called my statement, <laughs> dude. It's got a lot of Fast and Furious vibes. But, Anything hmm. for family. When was the last time hmm. you saw a Fast and Furious movie? Oh god, I think I think it was the, it was the one uh, where they did the tribute to Paul Walker at the end. The one yep, when Vin Diesel's like, up. you know, it's never really goodbye, and then he walks away, and then they star Charlie Puth and Wiz Khalifa song, and then okay, Paul Walker pulls up, and he's like, you didn't think you could leave without saying goodbye, and then you turn, and you see CGI Paul Walker for like three seconds. And you clearly know that it's not Paul Walker, but you know they tried their best. Yeah. And then they have that little sequence where they drive down the street or that road together. So much of Fast and Furious movies are about the cool chase car scenes. They do impossible things with cars that you should not be able to do, which is exactly what this movie does. Well, to give to give credit to Andrew on this one, with Mad Max Fury Road, it is for the most part in the desert to where it's a barren wasteland. So there's a very like huge lack of environment, but with the way that they were able to shoot it and how they were using that environment, they made it look a lot more lively and a lot more action packed than it could have been. Whereas in the fast and furious movies, there's always, you know, like, I mean, there's even one where Vin Diesel is literally driving out of a, like a skyscraper and he yeah. jumps into another skyscraper. Just as like, improbable. I, I, skyscraper. Yeah. Right. There, there's, they're starting to hit certain <laughs> like, the laws contingencies now to where it's kind of like, This okay, movie defies a lot of laws of physics, dude. Come on. 
Yeah, oh, but oh, like, yeah. okay, hundred percent. You can't, least, you can't we, say you can't. You cannot fault tell Fast me. And Furious you for that cannot and tell me. You cannot tell me that Fast and Furious bullshit action sequences are so much more plausible than Mad Max. No, of this shouldn't happen. They're the all Fast implausible. Movies. Like. Like They're it's all just, implausible. It's just... And also, bullshit action sequences? Fuck you! Those are fun! They make no fucking sense! But hey, I also want to see a car get dropped out of a plane. That is cool. I mean, the Furious films are arguably their own superhero franchise by now. Like, it's just, mm-hmm. no one can die. No one, apparently blunt force trauma isn't a thing. Like, Well, apparently it's, just, it's, it's not a thing in this movie either. Again, okay, but the, the shit, the, car the, shit crash. That, the shit that happens in the Furious movies is just so much more implausible than the shit oh, okay. that goes down in the Mad Max films. So blasting a gasoline truck with thousands of gallons of gasoline with fire, completely plausible. I'm not. I'm not saying that they're right, completely okay. scot free. This is what I'm saying, Andrew. I think I am saying both films are incredibly implausible. But we all just disregard the implausibility because we're like, ooh, cool action sequence. You're saying, no, 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 this film is superior because even though all of the stuff they do is implausible, I want to be a bit of a snob about this and say this one is better than the Fast and the Furious franchise, which keeps out. My statement, my statement, you're misquoting me. My statement was the Fast and Furious films are far more implausible than Mad Max, and I stand by that. I disagree. Dylan, what's your your take? I mean, with Fury Road, you already know it's going to be crazy off the bat. We're in a post-apocalyptic world where people believe they can spray paint chrome on their face. And a dude has this weird, like, Bane breather, and he needs to drink, unquote, mother's milk. And then he needs to go get gas from Gastown and bullets from Bullet Farm. And it's just just a crazy premise and concept altogether to begin with. So whatever kind of comes in. I mean, when you see the Outlander dudes with a whole bunch of spikes off their cars, you're just like, Oh, yeah, that looks about right. But when you see Vin Diesel pulling a giant bank safe with cables and is dragging it down highways like it's a bowling ball, I mean, that's where you're like, so this is still a plausible universe, right? Even though this is like supposed to be like real no, life uh, things, like it's supposed to be kind of somewhat plausible, or are we just kind of no. going where cars can go up against submarines and tanks and. They can fight supervillains, but then sometimes the supervillains help the good guys because family. No, dude, Dylan, this is what I'm saying. The Fast and Furious movie has abandoned all presumption that it is in the real world at this point. They are in (laughs) a fantasy world just like Mad Max. And therefore, you cannot fault it for implausibility without faulting Mad Max for implausibility just because Mad Max takes place in a post-apocalyptic world. The Fast and Furious movies 1,000% take place in a fantasy world. I mean, they didn't start taking place in a fantasy world. It might not have started, but that's just where they are now. Way more and more and more implausible as time went on. Right. And now they're just The Fast and Furious movies, they're implausible, but then kind of implausible they are now is just humorous. Like, whatever they throw out now, it's like, oh, wow, that's funny. That's that's the new thing that they needed for the movie. Like, oh, new movie. What are they going to do now? Oh, we're going to attack helicopters, like, with cars. I just want them to go to space. I just I'm waiting oh, for it's them to gonna happen. Watch. You know it's, it's gonna, gonna happen. happen. It's gonna happen. Yeah. And honestly, We're like those movies, movie. those movies also don't care about character development. They don't really care about the plot. It's mostly just about the car chase sequence. Which honestly, that's Mad Max Fury Road. You, am I wrong? Am I wrong? you you say that but i feel like you know i'm I'm like 25 percent yes that's not that's not enough there's nothing wrong with siding with me on some points don't let her tempt you, Dylan. There's really nothing wrong with it, Dylan. You're our impartial guest here. You're allowed to side with whoever you want. You can say that or there are, are good things about this movie, and you can say, oh, yeah, maybe that's not the best about that movie. Well, now that you say that, Andrew, you are 100% wrong. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> or you can do that, and that's fine, too. Yeah, overall, I th- I thought it was a, it was a great movie. I mean, 
the the visual effects, the editing that went into it, the sound design. Visual I mean, effects. this is this is that kind solid. of movie where if you didn't see it in a theater or an IMAX, this is one of those movies where like you need to find someone with like the setup, the surround sound, the giant screen, and you just need to go to town. No, I, I disagree with that statement. I think it's fine oh. without that. I hate IMAXs. Genuinely, I hate IMAX theaters. It's oh, too much. There's some you just have to. No, dude. Like you can this make that you, you can make that face at me. I have a lot of sensory issues, and that's genuinely movie theaters are hard enough. Having oh, an IMAX fair. theater with that much going on, it's too much. It's way too much. You, I, it's not a pleasant experience. That, that's fair, actually. Uh, any other things that we want to talk about, uh, or, or or did we sort of already start give, jumping into recommendations? Called that Nux was gonna die. Also, why did we have to see the scene of him eating that bug? <laughs> what purpose was that? We don't need. We don't see anyone else eat in this movie. <laughs> Maybe it was just like uh, George Miller's way of assuring you: people eat. People eat in this world. That's not an assuring like, sight, I would say. <laughs> seeing him pick a bug off the cheek of the girl he apparently like now has a love interest thing with and then eat it. I don't think that's an assuring <laughs> I mean, in I think this it world, was like a... Oh. <laughs> oh. I think just them eating period in this world is an assuring sign. No. I mean, it's just like... This world just seems so just blown to hell that it's just like, uh, I mean, that's the part where we can fill in the blanks. Like, we're like, oh, they're alive. They must be eating. Though, you know, you know, when they brought home the body of Joe, those people who tore him apart, they're going to eat him. Yeah. You know, they're going to eat him. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Warts and all. Also, small little fun fact. um, Supposedly supposedly the war boys will be making cameo appearances alongside other wb characters in the upcoming film space Cham: a new legacy i don't know how i don't know why supposedly no, that's the rumor that. that's 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 the rumor so that sense, that's something right? to look for i'm not space even Jam. making a joke i'm not even making a joke here i can 100 percent see how they would incorporate that yeah, I'm I'm very curious now to see how, how they do that. I mean, they'll um, probably have them be because it's Space Jam, right? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm, so it's a basketball mm-hmm. game. So they'll probably have like the some sort of weird uh cameo where they're like recruiting people to either play on either the good side or the bad side, and they'll recruit some different characters from WB movies, including the War Boys. And they'll probably like make a really short thing where they're trying to throw a f- basketball or maybe they're riding on the court with their cars or stuff. I bet I'm 100% right here. I I can't wait to see the movie and just be proven correct. Well, you heard it here first, folks. That is Britney's prediction for Space Jam, A New Legacy. It sounds right, though, right? It does. I it mean, does. In- in one of the trailers, it does show um, King Kong fist bumping the Iron Giant. So anything's yeah, that, possible. That makes sense. <laughs> All right. Recommendation time. Do you or do you not recommend this movie? And we are starting off with Dylan. Solid yes. Cool. No, 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 no for the commentary? Just, uh, <laughs> no, no, sorry, no sorry. nothing no. else needed to say. Wouldn't that be the, the funniest film review <laughs> after watching a movie? Just in just big, bold letters. Yes. Yeah, like, like, what do you think of the movie? I like it. <laughs> any, uh, any, any further thoughts? Like you want to elaborate on them? No. Um, <laughs> all together. Mad Max is a great watch. If you are just in the mood to watch amazing camera work and explosions and just have a good time, I would highly recommend just hopping in and enjoying the show. Brittany? Fuck yes. This movie is hype. I loved it so much. I was on the edge of my seat. It was so much fun. I adore this movie. It is awesome. Watch it. I second that. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's fun. I mean, like it's you know, as Nicholas Holt says, "What a day! What a lovely day!" You know, it's just it's just so you much fun. You did not get like, that accent right. He was I doing know. an American I'm accent. I'm trying. Why are you? 
it's like you were trying to do a British accent, but Nicholas Holt is doing it an sounds American a little, accent. It sounds a little bit like he's doing a, a, a British accent in the trailer. Well, that's um, mean. His, his, his just, accent, his accent, it sounds like his accent's not good. criticizing Nicholas Holt. <laughs> I'm sorry, Nicholas Holt, please still love me. Um, no, it's really fun. It's, it's, damn, we yeah, don't get canceled. It's, it's it's a it's a ball in time, you know. I I really did not think I would like this movie as much as I did, um, but it's just it's just nonstop thrill ride. Um, I cannot wait to see Furiosa whenever they get around to it, and the fourth Max Mad Max film whenever they get around to it. Uh, but yeah, watch this film; it's worth it. All right, now we are gonna move into plugs. Uh, so Dylan, feel free uh, to share any social media handles you want to share, and then one thing from pop culture that you recommend could be a song, could be a TV show, could be a movie, whatever you're feeling. Um, well, I do not have any plugs. I I'm uh, I'm gonna just stay to stay by myself. I don't need nobody else, just my friends. But <laughs> what I will recommend is a movie that came out a couple of years ago with a uh, I think it's Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner. A movie called Arrival. It is a movie mm. that is a psychological thriller about the um, aliens coming down and you know, hitting multiple points of the earth and then trying to peacefully negotiate what the, their intentions are and the way they execute it. And I think the kind of like the science of how they break down their language was just so fascinating to me. Also, I was taking anthropology at the time in college when I watched it and I thought it was just some that kind of connected to me in that sense. And I just thought it was such a good movie to watch. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Brittany Blue Eyed. I am still doing guest spots on the Corn Quest podcast, so please check that out. It's a fun D&D podcast. Something I would like to recommend. I recently started watching the show Mythic Quest on Apple+. Plus. Um, it is this really insane show about a video game company and about the antics that they get up to there. It's got Danny Pudi in it, who I absolutely adore. He plays basically like an evil corporate dude, and it's awesome. Uh, definitely check that out. It it really appeals to my nerd side, and I love it. Good stuff, good stuff. All right, you can follow me on Instagram at Andrew the Nuno Twin, on Twitter at Andrew Nuno. And then uh, for anyone that's really into just like, you know, scary stories or like, you know, mysteries or true crime, uh, there's a show called Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix that I've really started getting into recently. And it's just, it's fascinating. You know, they, they have all sorts of cases on there. I mean, the one I just watched talks about like ghost stories that happened after a tsunami hit a town in Japan and how all the citizens of this town were like running into encounters with ghosts and ghosts, some ghosts that didn't even know that they were dead and, and they were communicating with the living, like just really interesting stories uh so that's your thing you like true crime you like you know scary stories mysteries all that stuff i recommend uh giving unsolved mysteries a try it's good stuff i think you've plugged that one before have i yeah but it must have been long ago so it, okay. it's fine they probably like won't i think there's been enough <laughs> well, time in between i'm renewing so. my stamp on it <laughs> yeah if, if, if that, a couple more you might sponsor yeah, yeah please right? sponsor us hey, on Netflix. you want to sponsor us i got you i'll plug you every episode if that's what you want we will constantly mention unsolved mysteries throughout our entire we just episode slide that into like every us. single episode it's yeah. like this film it's just it's such a compelling plot like in unsolved mysteries like we just yeah oh my god there are so many plot holes you know what never has plot holes netflix's unsolved <laughs> mysteries <laughs> Like we have like a contract with like it has to be five mentions per episode. Somehow we just <laughs> mention it in there five times. We are making jokes, but we're serious. Any yes. company out there who would like to sponsor us, we will do this Por favor, for the gracias. right price. Give us money and we'll do this. Yes, please. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, Dylan, thank you very much for coming on. It was a blast having you. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Of course. All right. Well, that wraps it for this episode of the Academy Arguments. If you want to hear Brittany and I argue and or fight over a whole slew of other films, feel free to give any of the other of eh, any of our other episodes a listen. Uh, we certainly appreciate the support. Take care, guys. And until next time, remember, 
When you want a film where madness unfolds, look no further and watch Mad Max Fury Road. Take care, guys. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. The Academy Arguments was created and produced by Brittany McHugh and Andrew Nino. It is edited by Brittany McHugh, and the artwork is by Olivia Jensen. If you like what you heard here today, then tell a friend, tell a couple of friends, tell your grandmother if you think that's something she'd be into. Or you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts because it really helps the show get noticed when you do. If you have any questions, comments, corrections, or suggestions for a movie we should do for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Academy Arguments, on Twitter at ACAD Arguments, or at our email, academyarguments at gmail.com. Hey, can I just ask, yes. argue and or fight? What? Sometimes we get pretty salty, I feel. Okay. <laughs> Sometimes I feel we so get pretty salty like, with each other. Like we go from arguing into like a little bit of like a, you know. So you're just pointing out the degrees yes. in which we argue. Yes, we, okay. ar- we argue every episode. That's No that's- peace, only war. Exactly. Only war. <laughs> exactly. But- Dylan, you have hit the nail on the head there, right? <laughs> That should be that should be the tagline no peace only war